disappointed tonight, huh? You have not mentioned how natty I look today. You notice? Oh, don't, oh, don't you think I do? Hang it up big, gang, big. I said big. Happy Friday to you. Thank God it's Friday to you. Thank God it's Friday. We made it again. Please, Al. Thank God it's a, a Friday. You, you. Yes, sirree. It's Friday again. Oh, yes, sirree. I made another weekend. It's going to work this time. We're going to swing all the way. It's going to go zing, zing, zingity, zing. Oh, 
Didn't you? You got to admit it, you liked it. <laughs> hey, that's not bad. Hey, wouldn't that be a wouldn't that make a groovy forty-five? I'll say, wouldn't it? It really would, you know. And uh, please, uh, while you're while you're resetting that, I may want to do that again. You know, if you get carried away, it's like the flywheel effect. Will you please hit the? Uh... Palisades has a ride. Palisades has a fun. Come on over. Shows and dancing are free, so the parking so gee. Come on over. Palisades from coast to coast, where a dime buys the most. Palisades amusement park swings all day and after dark. You'll have fun, so come on over. Rasmus Palisades Amusement Park. Holy smokes, it opens Saturday. With the robin comes Palisades and all those people riding up and down on those nutty rides. So come on over. Palisades opens this Saturday.
jumped and I'm bumping. They're marching, marching everywhere. Hey, listen, I, 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 I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm a real sucker for groovy cartoons. I mean, really funny ones. I mean, what I think are funny. You know? By the way, do you know that uh, that uh, certain psychologists use cartoons to give a trace or certainly a profile of personality uh, traits? Yeah, they'll give they'll give a person uh, you know fifteen or twenty funny cartoons of various types, and uh, they will uh, they will make a great to do about what he laughs at and what he doesn't laugh at. Well, t- yeah, <laughs> takes a certain kind of guy to laugh at somebody, you know, it's got a, an, an axe stuck in the top of his head. <laughs> you know, people, ha, 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 And that says a lot, you know, they write it down there. So you got to be careful, you know. And, and uh, now maybe this says something about me, you amateur psychologist. I, I uh, you know, I, I, I really don't. Uh, cartoons come and go, and I make no, uh, uh, to me, uh, it makes no difference where a cartoon appears, you know. Some people uh, say, well, I dig New Yorker cartoons or I dig Playboy cartoons. But in most cases, you'll find that, the, you know, there's good cartoons in the worst places. Sometimes you'll see a groovy cartoon written on the side of a frozen Coke machine down in, you know, down on the subway. But uh, here, 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 I found a, a, a funny little cartoon. You don't mind if I tell you what it is? It shows this astronaut, see? And he's got a little space suit on you, the whole bit, see? And he's on some unnamed planet. And you could see it's dark as stars above him. You know, your typical scene like on the moon, but he's on some unnamed planet. And you see him, he's running like hell. <laughs> he's running, he's looking real scared. And above him, you see an enormous fly swatter coming down. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that, that <laughs> uh, well, here, here's, here's another one. You want, you want to hear, hear another one? That's, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. Uh, here, here's here's another one if you, if uh, you don't mind I, I have one. This it shows this guy he's stepping out uh, he's stepping out of his uh, you know his little his little space capsule that's sitting there on its tripod and uh, he's on this unnamed planet and you see this uh, way off in the distance you see a little round Earth way off there see it's on the horizon and he's looking real confused because right next to him where he's standing is one of these telescopes, you know, the kind you see at Lover's Leap in Waukesha, Wisconsin, where it says, see the panoramic view, you can see four states from this point, and it says, see Earth, ten cents, five minutes. <laughs> He's looking at... <laughs> I'm sorry, you know. And, uh, of course, this, this uh, the same guy did the same cartoon uh, that, that I suggested one time. Great, uh, I remember suggesting this, uh, you know, just an idea came to me. It shows this guy... He is, uh, here he is. He's up on the moon, see? And he's got a flag on him, on his suit and the whole thing, you know, and, and you can see his whole space suit in the background. And he has just arrived at a planet, not necessarily the moon, but it's a planet. And you can see the Earth way off in the distance in the black sky. And he is up there, obviously, the first man on this planet to, to uh, get the artifacts back and stuff. And he's looking down, and he's looking just blank at his feet is a Miller High Life beer can. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, I don't know why that appeals to me. Uh, there's another one, see? It shows shows this guy, he's in a capsule now. He's not, he's not even in it, outside of it yet, you know. He's in this uh, triangular-shaped capsule, and they're nearing uh, a, a mysterious planet. 
It's a completely different planet. Uh, you know, obviously it's not the moon. It's just a planet someplace. And you see nothing but blackness all around him. He's in the vast Stygian reaches of track with space. And uh, he's approaching this planet. And he's looking out at you know, a little window they got. You know, he's looking out, and you see written on this planet in big letters, Yankee, go home. <laughs> Did you say I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, you want to hear some more of those? You like those, huh? <laughs> it shows another guy. It shows another guy. By the way, <laughs> speaking of trackless planets, this is WOR. Right, George, half this place is still unexplored. This is WOR New York. We're in Fun City. Do you have another dinghy for us, Big Al? Hit it. Hit it. Headlines and bylines from this week's issue of TV Guide magazine. What's on the nation's mind? Edith Efron examines the series of television specials based on public opinion taken from Lou Harris' polls. Where is 1955's Miss America? Former pageant winner Lee Ann Merriweather talks to Roland Barber about the 16 years since Atlantic City. Who will be the pennant contenders? Sports writer Melvin Derslag sticks his neck out again this year to forecast the 71 baseball standings. What's the future of cable TV? Writer William Slattery asks some of the leaders in the field for their prophecies on the direction of cable TV. Good reading in this week's issue of TV Guide. TV Guide, New York's biggest-selling weekly magazine. America's biggest-selling weekly magazine, TV Guide, on sale everywhere. Hey, we got a little uh, ding-dong here from ShopRite. They give you more of what you're shopping for. And uh, let's see, it says, check these budget-saving values. Fresh U.S. government-inspected five- to six-pound roasting chickens, 49 cents a pound. Gee, that's discouraging to think you're only going for 49 cents a pound. Smoked shoulder pork, 39 cents a pound. ShopRite soda in large half-gallon shoulder holster bottles. Four popular flavors, three for one buck. ShopRite, fresh oil, and they go on and on and on with all these prices. Why don't you just go down to ShopRite and check them out, huh? There are hundreds of advertised specials, the lowest possible price on thousands of other products, and 1,800 ShopRite brand products. Bump, bump, bump. That's how ShopRite has grown to be the money-saving power it is today. Why pay more? We know you have pride in yourself and in what your country can be. We know you have a brain and your own ideas. We know you'd like to share these ideas with hundreds of young men and women from all parts of this country. We know you'd like to further your education, learn a skill, have opportunity for advancement, and 30 days vacation a year. We also know you put a price on these things. The price is your individuality. And you question the Army's willingness to pay this price. Today's Army is willing to pay this price. We're committed to eliminating unnecessary formations, skinhead haircuts, signing out, signing in, and make-work projects. In today's Army, you'll find more mature personnel policies at every level. If you'd like to serve yourself as you serve your country, today's Army wants to join you. For the location of your nearest Army representative, call 800-243-6000, toll-free. I like that. The facts about life. Oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> I wonder what all these novelists have been struggling to do for the last 40 million years, all the way back to Euripides. Dun, 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 dun. 
Oh, you know, speaking of uh, magazines, you see some you know wild things. I think today's culture really is uh, swinging away from uh, classical type literature. You know, I don't think many people today read hardcover books like they used to. You know, thousands of years ago. I mean, when hardcover books were made out of stone, and uh, they were those were the original hardcover books. You know, the guy'd sit there and he'd chop it out with a with a <laughs> with a mallet. You know, but uh, nevertheless, <laughs> I don't know why I feel so silly tonight. But uh, nevertheless, uh, hardcover books uh, are not as big as they used to be, you know. Uh, well, actually, the, the ones that are being read are actually bigger physically. I mean, have you ever tried to lift the Rona Jaffe novel? Oh, I know a guy got a hernia. He was in the hospital six months, you know. Just picked up, uh, uh, what was it, the, the best of everything twice, you know. Well, he wasn't ready for it, but nevertheless, you got to get in condition, you know. You don't, you don't uh, walk around with a valley of the dolls, you know. Uh, that thing weighed. Uh, well, the average. Uh, gee, I miss. Remember when Herman Woke was always writing those, those mag- those big books that weighed about like you know bowling ball in one hand, Herman Woke in the other to keep uh, you know keep from tilting. And uh, <laughs> you you notice that I'm really chauvinistic about W O R. You don't hear me sitting around the saying, Don't be, don't miss the Jack O'Brien show tomorrow. He he uh, interviews Charlie Dildock, a famous crossword puzzle worker. Yes, hard hitting Jack O'Brien. No, I, I am, uh, you know, I, I, I let you take it or leave it. <laughs> it's up to you. And uh, my, uh, I, my feeling is that this is a very. Hey, by the way, speaking of radio, why is it that everybody, whenever they run across a clipping somewhere about old radio, immediately send it to me, and they write on top of it, "This is right up your alley, Shep." I have. I, I'm, I'm going to have to come on record as saying I have absolutely no interest in old radio. Have never had any interest in old radio. Didn't listen to old radio when it was on. That's right. I'm going to tell you a terrible story. I did not. I think the world divides into two groups of people. The audience and the others. I, I believe this strongly. You don't think for a minute that Jack Benny sat around and listened to the radio, did you? No. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's a difference between uh, being involved and, and listening. And in fact... Uh, I I, uh, I I have no interest in old radio because I wasn't involved. I wasn't there. Old radio has no connection with me. Never has had any connection. I've I haven't even had the faintest interest in it. You know another thing about it. That's like roughly sending a, a let's say you take you send a letter uh, to Cleon Jones, see, or let's say uh, you know just take take a guy at random, right? Like Tommy Agee or Cleon Jones, see. You send them a letter and you found the clipping about uh, Ty Cobb, see? <laughs> Something about Ty Cobb. And uh, you know, it says, Ty Cobb in 1921 uh, held the left-handed spitting record for members of the Detroit Tigers. He once spit a wad of tobacco juice seven feet, three and a half inches to the outfield side of second place base from home plate, which still stands. It's an unbroken record for left-handed hitters freestyle spitting. Well, you, you know... And so then you write, you write to Cleon Jr. You say, well, you're a ball player. This is right up your alley, Cleon. You must sit around the dugout and talk about Ty Cobb a lot. I, have, I never hear anybody in radio, and this is going to come as a real disappointment to you, I never hear anybody in radio ever, I don't recall ever, I'm talking about radio, ever anybody sitting around talking about Our Gal Sunday or about Jack Benny, or about Fred Allen. Never, never. <laughs> We're working. You know, this, this nuttiness goes even further than that. The other day a publisher came to me. I don't know why he did, you know. Almost hit him in the beak. 
I got a uh, letter, you know, and he came up. He says, here's a, here's a book. He says, hey, here's a book you want. And I says, what is it? He says, look, it's right up your alley. It's, uh, it's uh, the history of radio. I says, am I in it? He says, what do you mean you're in it? It's a history of radio. She. <laughs> I says, what do you mean, history of radio? He says, well, of course, uh, he says, it goes to, you know, it's got about Fred Allen and Jack Benny. It's got about the Mr. Tracer of Lost Keen's Persons. It's got about, uh, what is it, that uh, Mike L. Sunday? Or is it Monday? It's, uh, it's, about, uh, it's about all them good, Mary Marlin. It's all about them good stuff. And I says, well, look, what, what is this, you know? The history of radio, radio is still on. And people keep writing the history of radio. They keep stopping about 1936, you know? And, and uh, if you were to pick up the average of history of radio, William B. Williams never existed. Martin Block never existed. Gene Shepard never existed. Cousin Brucey never existed. <laughs> and they call it the history of radio. That's like if you wrote the history of baseball and you stopped with the 1936 St. Louis Cardinals. The day that Dizzy Dean hung up his glove, that was the end of, uh, that was the end of baseball, you know. It's wild. They keep doing this. And, you know, most other things are the opposite. Most other, most other histories are the opposite. For example, if you, if you buy the history of, of, of the theater, they concentrate mostly on the contemporary theater. You have L.B., you have, to, you know, Arthur Colpert, you have Geraldine Page. They rarely mention, uh, say, something like a John Wilkes Booth. <laughs> And, and yet, this is, a, this is a crazy business. And so, don't send me any clippings about old radio. I don't care about old radio. And by the way, stop sending me letters about, did you see Lorne Green last week on uh, Bonanza? He was a, I don't watch television. I mean, <laughs> uh, stop it, stop it. Uh, the, the audience keeps, I don't know, the audience keeps confusing the people that do the stuff with the audience. You know, they really do. Hey, you know, speaking of uh, little uh, little uh, oddments here, uh, I was speculating here a couple of weeks ago, and uh, somebody answered my question. A doctor wrote to me and said, Shepard, for your information, a full-grown human brain... How much do you think a full-grown human ba- uh, brain weighs? That's pretty close. How, how much would you guess, Al? You'd guess five pounds, Lee, you say four. Well, you're, you're, you're both uh, quite close. Three and a half pounds. The full-grown human brain. Of course, that's the normal human brain. Now, that, that doesn't include listeners. doesn't include, you know. <laughs> now, look, I'm being funny. Now, watch me. Mr. Shepard, insulting your listeners is in very bad taste. Mr. Gambling, that wonderful young John, he never does that. Yeah, he a lot of things he don't do, honey. engineer used to do the Metropolitan Opera. <laughs> right, Al? How the mighty have fallen. He's gone from from uh, Fausto Claver doing Mephistopheles. Yeah. 
Oh, listen, I, I love that. Uh, that. To me, that's my favorite opera. I like that moment, say, when uh, Niccolo Moscogna comes leaping out of the stage, seven feet tall, say, give, give me a little echo chamber, I'll do it, see. Here's his foul, foul, foul. Well, not yet, not yet, Al. No, 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 no. You got to you see cues are important in the opera, and so here's uh, here's uh, Faust himself, see, played by Eugene Conley, and uh, he's you know little Faust. He's looking. He's he, he's just signed his pact, or he's just about to sign his pact, and so he sings that aria where he calls upon the devil. He calls upon the devil to come along. He's ready to sign, you know, and he's an old man at this point. You've seen that scene, haven't you? And he goes. Wait a minute, that's a little too much echo. <laughs> he goes, all right, far, far back. All right, he goes, Watch out for my I have with the outside world. My uh, little air conditioning unit they put in. They got one of these little used air conditioning units in my office. Came from the, you know, came from the Salvation Army. They got it from some bar in Third Avenue. You know, you can still smell the beer coming out of it. And uh, they got it hooked up, see, and it goes constantly. See, little thing there, you know, and it's putting away. And as it puts away, it drops rusty water on my head. Once in a while, out comes a memo. Well, I'm sitting there living with my air conditioning unit, see? Yeah, he's my friend. And I'm sitting there, and once in a while, I look up there, you see, because the air conditioning unit controls my whole atmosphere. After all, no wonder people uh, honor their air conditioning units because they, in a sense, are godlike in our time. What does God do? Well, God can control your whole world. He can make thor- you know, storms come. He can make thunder roll. 
He can make it cold. He can make it hot. He can make it... Well, that's your air conditioning unit, see? So I sit in front of my air conditioning unit, and once in a while, when things are really tough, you know, and then there's a whole drift of memos from the 23rd floor out in front of my office, and I've waded through them, see, in my snowshoes, and I've come into the office... And uh, all this stuff, and I can see cockroaches running out of my desk drawers. Oh, yeah, it's terrible down there in the 15th floor. It's awful. That's the slum floor of this building. And I'm sitting down there, see, and I can hear Eileen Francis in the next office crying because of some big scene that's happened. And I hear Jack O'Brien down the office way down there. He's always saying things like, get Cardinal Spellman on the phone. And it's going on up and down the line, see. Well, it gets a little bit much after a while. And the phones are ringing. People are yelling and hollering. My air conditioning is... water is coming on the top of my head. It is then that I look up at the air-conditioned unit, and I burst into song. See, this is a crying out to the devil to come and take me. I'm ready to sign. Never shows up. Never shows up. I've never yet been approached by the devil. I'm willing to sign, you know. I'm willing to sell my soul for a mess of pottage. Well, not, not exactly pottage, you know. The last ball of pottage I had, you know, they'll make it like they used to. But uh, I'm ready to sell my soul for a little dross, possibly, but not pottage. By the way, it's a good word to add to your vocabulary, dross. And just fling the, the measly paycheck that the, the government and your boss allows you to have, see... You gotta learn how to have style. So you fling it across the desk and you go, ha 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 little echo chamber there. Everybody's gotta have an echo chamber in his life, see? You go, ha 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 Dross! Dross! You're not gonna buy me for this. Think of how your kid will love you. Think how your kid will love you when he hears that you didn't sell out and you hit Mr. Bullet in the beak. Think how your kid will love you when you're going to have to tell him he's going to have to leave Rutgers because you can't pay the bills anymore. Think how he'll love you when you're going to have to tell him that no longer can you afford all those plane tickets so he can get to the next uh, big demonstration, you know, like in uh, Utah. Think how he'll love you. Yes, indeed. You're no longer sold out. You're sitting out in the backyard just looking at the sky. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, indeed. Let's see. I'll take a look at this one. Hey, listen. Speaking of uh, of uh, of looks at the contemporary life, have you been watching the fantastic stamps that we have been having in 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 our country lately? You remember, uh, you know, when groovy looking stamps used to be the kind of stuff that you'd get in a in a collection of stamps, like twenty four stamps on approval, including the stamp, the rare golden octopus set from Tanzania. You know that kind of stuff. Boy, take a look at some of these stamps. They are fantastic. Look at this. Did you see the newest one? Now, it has nothing to do with America. Look at this Look at this stamp here now. I want to hold it up to you. Have you seen this one? It's a yellow stamp, a great big one. By the way, if it, 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 all it says on it, it's a yellow stamp, and it has, in, in natural colors, it has a herd of elephants. And the stamp simply says, African elephant herd. That's all. Now, I don't know what African elephant herds have to do with American postage, but uh, there it is. Maybe they're saying something about how long it takes for a letter to get somewhere, you know. <laughs> but uh, it says African elephant herd. It's a beautiful six-cent stamp. Now, 
I hate to see this happen. Actually, on the one, you know, it's, it's, I have a dual thing about this. On the one hand, I dig the idea we got beautiful stamps. Look at that. Look at this one. It's fantastic. Look at that. Look at this one. It's got green palm trees all over the place. And it's got a little pink thing in the background that says Great American Paintings. How about that one? Now, you know, I had a theory about five years ago, which I'm going to trot out again. Do you mind if I trot it out? Any stamp collector will tell you that the tinier, the, the, uh, the more desperate, the more sad a little country gets, the more beautiful become their stamps. This is a fact. Little tiny islands in the Pacific, for example, uh, you know, Pongo Pongo, will have a stamp that weighs four pounds, has gold leaf on it, has green fur all over the outside of it, you know, and it says 17 copetas on it. And underneath it, there's a picture of the ruler, and it says, Our Benefactor. And uh, people all over the world, but it's the only way they can uh, impress the rest of the world, see, is to have fantastic stamps. And so you'll find that Switzerland has great stamps. Oh, wow, you ought to see the Swiss stamps. Uh, Mauritius. Now, how many of you have ever been to Mauritius? You never hear about Mauritius. Okay. Uh, now, how about, you know, whoever goes to Mauritius, you, you, you never hear about, you know, Mauritius threatens India. Uh, you know, Mauritius makes major statement in UN, threatens to withdraw aid from Saudi Arabia. Oh, no. Oh, let me tell you. Some of the most beautiful stamps in the world are Mauritius stamps. Okay? Shepard has a theory then. The theory is this. I will put it out. It's the reverse ratio. The importance of a country is an inverse ratio to the beauty of its stamps. And so you get a fantastic country at the peak of its powers, like, say, America, uh, you know, in the, in the, in the 40s. The peak of its power, we had a little tiny green stamp with a little faded picture of Washington on it. <laughs> That's all. You remember the little, little, little tiny, little blue stamp? You can hardly see it. It's a little stamp. It's so big. I mean, you, you blow it off the fingertip and a fly. You don't even, like dust. A little big stamp. says uh, three cents. A little tiny three on it. Nothing else, you see. That was because we didn't have to prove anything to anybody. The stamp is the facade you give to the world. That's the part of America that, you know, arrives in different countries very important. It's like, have you ever noticed when some guy is, is the manager or he's the, uh, let's say, the vice president of a cockamamie, flim-flam, and ding-dong agency? Some little agency down on Lower Third Avenue, you see, and they got one account, his brother-in-law, Henry, see, who runs a hardware store in Utopia Parkway. See, it's a little, little ding-dong agency down there. He has got a card that is not only engraved, it plays Happy Birthday when you look at it, see, and it has little little built-in fireworks. You see, when you when you take it out of your wallet, it shoots little skyrockets up. And there it is. It says Henry W. Flimflam, President in Charge of Creative Management, the Ding Dong Flimflam and Cockamamie Agency. <laughs> and the, you know, this the littler the guy, the bigger the card. Oh, it, it's always that way. You know, the littler the man, the more jazzy he generally dresses. And so you'll find little guys, you know, with these fantastic Edwardian suits, and they all, you know, they're all big. Sideburns go down to their knees and a whole bit. Little guy, he comes, you know, a little squirt. And, and this is the only way he can do it. He's got to present a facade, see? Yeah, oh, no, you know, Boog Powell doesn't have to prove nobody to nothing. <laughs> I mean, when Boog Powell walks into a bar, he does not have to, you know, say, hey, look at this. I got it just fresh from Barney's. Oh, how do you like this? The Neo Edwardian ding dong midi look. He, you know, he doesn't need it. Boog Powell comes into his wind jacket, you know, his windbreaker. Hey, you know, I just. 
sort of stands there, 290 pounds of solid gristle. He doesn't prove anything. And so the littler the guy, the, the, the sweatier the novels he writes, the littler the guy, the jazzier the cards he, he has printed up, the littler the guy, you know, all the way down. Hi, there's one of our little guys in there. Look at him. The, the littler the guy, the more fantastic, the, you know, the mustache, beard, the whole bit. Well, I'll tell you, it, when, when it finally winds up to countries, you'll find that the littler, squeakier the country, some little country, you know, that's barely making it. In fact, the country consists of four guys in a rowboat that's anchored somewhere off the coast of Greece. You know? And uh, here they are. They call themselves uh, Japip. You know, they got a king, they got a prime minister, they got a prince, they got a guy in charge of armaments, they got a guy in charge of, uh, you know, civil defense. You know who always does this stuff great? One of my favorite characters in all of theater, Peter Ustinov. Peter Ustinov, I, I, he, some of the, the mouse that roared, and that other fantastic movie that I enjoyed. What was the name of that other one? Not the mouse that roared, the other one was so funny. When he's in charge of the country and they got this, uh, he is the prince. Uh, wait a minute, I'll get it. Y- yes? Oh, Romanoff and Juliet. Yeah, what a funny, funny movie that is. Did you ever see that, Matt? Oh, you got to watch it sometime. When it when it shows up on TV, when their army is having its uh, is having its uh, <laughs> having its maneuvers in the square, you see, in this little country. What's the name of the country again? It's some country like Blatsunov or some crazy name like Lower Blatsunovia. And uh, they 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 all show up in their colorful native garbs. They have these these knit stocking caps, you know, the, with two little balls on the top. And this is a colorful. We are always wearing the colorful native garb, and they walk around. Well, now this this is very typical of a country. When you travel around countries a lot, you know, you go from one country to the next, big ones and little ones, and you've done any world traveling. When you begin, and, and especially if you're, uh, you know, if you're connected at all with the tourist department of that country. You arrive at this crummy little country, you know, it's kind of sad little country, and the the head of the tourist department, if you're talking to him, he said, well, we wish to welcome you to Lower Slavovia. I'm sure you will have an interesting time here at Lower Slavovia, and uh, to uh, to help you in your stay here at Lower Slavovia, we have prepared a brochure which uh, illustrates uh, the various uh, wonderful uh, qualities of Lower Slavovian life. Here, I'll give you this book. See, it weighs seven pounds, and it's done in 16 different colors. And, you know, it's a photograph of, uh, uh, on the cover, you see the native folk dance, which is one of the dullest dances ever seen by man. It consists of a lot of people standing around and jiggling up and down, wearing wool skirts with tassels hanging on them, see? And uh, they, they play the plonkinoff, which is their native instrument, which consists of one string and sounds like somebody blowing his nose into Kleenex. And so he says, you will like this. Uh, and uh, you must, of course, see the Victory Arch. The Victory Arch, which celebrates the uh, victory of uh, Lois Labonikik over Kuznetsnyevov. Uh, uh, of course, you realize in the 15th century, was under Leopold the Leopard, and he was a terrible tyrant, and we have defeated him in the battle, and that uh, we have the Victory Arch. And you look at the Victory Arch, and it's this little sad thing made out of stucco. See, the rain has blown it over, and uh, this is the way little countries are. So I'm a little worried now about our great stamps. I'm a little worried. That stamp is looking a little bit more like Mauritius every time I get a stamp. Where do we start having the famous American Triangle series? That's the first sign of going down. Any of you stamp collectors know what I mean. The tri- have you ever st- collected stamps, man? Have you heard of the Triangle series? Of, well, stamps come, you know, in triangular shapes. Some of the little tiny countries have given up trying to make them really groovy, you know, with gold and with pearls hanging on them and stuff. So they figure that by making an uh, exotic shape... 
So you can get the uh, triangular shapes now in Mauritius. That's very big. Now, if America was to make the shape of its stamps to fit its most current preoccupations, it would hardly have uh, African elephants on them. Imagine a stamp cut into the shape of pre- current preoccupation of America. Well, you've seen the movies. What are all movies about? Oh, I'm just asking. What are all movies about? Do you ever watch TV later that Matt? Well, how about how about And now, with blessed new freedom, with healthy freedom, we present Porno Number Seven. Porno Number Seven, photographed in beautiful color, rated R. Yes, by the producers who gave you guts that latest new fantastic porno, and it tells you all about how things really are in Denmark. You know how things are in Denmark. An educational film, rated R. Nobody over 21 will be allowed to even get near it. Well, now, uh, have you noticed they're all calling themselves educational? How many of you, how many of you got much of an education from I Am Curious Yellow? And he said, I never thought of it that way. Bye, George. <laughs> Please, Matt, if you will, let us sing a song of sixpence, a pocket full of rye. Four and twenty blackbirds were baked into a pie. Fee, five, four, fum. I smell the blood of an Englishman. Uh, who are we quoting there? Gee. Uh, let's see. Uh, all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humphrey together again. Yeah, it was that egg, wasn't it? Humphrey Dumpty. That's it. Humphrey Dumpty. Little... Gee, I, you know those old nursery rhymes. They just never leave you. Little Jack Horner stood in the corner. Yeah, remember him? Yeah. No, no, that's wrong. No, it wasn't. It was Little Jack Warner stood in the corner. That's right. Little Jack Warner stood in the corner, eating his curds and whey. Oh, I never leave you. I'll tell you, those things stick with you. Yeah. What was his name? Uh, oh, uh, Dumple Stilskin. Uh, or, you know, the guy. Oh, well, uh, you know, these things. It doesn't really matter, you know, one way or the other. But it's all part of our culture. It's all part of the, the zeitgeist of the Western world. <laughs> Jeez, that reminds me. Too late to tell you that, you know. I was going to tell you this great story about Zeitgeist. Remember him. But uh, we'll be out tomorrow night at five minutes past ten. And uh, don't forget, we'll take you on a quiet, quick tour to the colorful peasant streets of Zeitgeist itself. Come on, with illustrated slides and with a 16-millimeter sound-on-film widescreen exposition. That's five minutes past ten. That is part of your assignment. You are not going to miss it. Yeah.